Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to VersaBank's third quarter fiscal 2021 financial results conference call. This morning, VersaBank issued a news release reporting its financial results for the third quarter and year-to-date ended July 31, 2021. That news release, along with the bank's financial statements and supplemental financial information, are available on the bank's website in the Investor Relations section, as well as on CDAR. Please note that in addition to the telephone dial-in, VersaBank is webcasting its earnings conference call live over the internet. The webcast is listen-only. If you are listening to the webcast but wish to ask a question in the Q&A session following Mr. Taylor's presentation, please dial into the conference line, the details of which are included in this morning's news release and on the bank's website. For those participating in today's call by telephone, the accompanying slide presentation is available on the bank's website. Also, today's call will be archived for replay by both telephone and via the internet beginning approximately one hour following completion of the call. Details on how to access the replays are available in this morning's news release. I would like to remind our listeners that statements about future events made on this call are forward-looking in nature and based on certain assumptions and analysis by VersaBank's management. Actual results could differ materially from our expectations due to various material risks and uncertainties associated with VersaBank's businesses. Please refer to VersaBank's forward-looking statement advisory in today's presentation. I would now like to turn the call over to David Taylor, President and Chief Executive Officer of VersaBank. Please go ahead, Mr. Taylor. Thank you, Colin, and and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's call. With me are Sean Clark, Chief Financial Officer and Treasurer, and Brent Hodge, General Counsel and Corporate Secretary. The third quarter once again saw the continuation of the momentum of our digital banking business as we delivered strong year-over-year growth in all key metrics and excluding the temporary dampening effect of our U.S. dollar's 75 million subordinate note issuance, strong growth sequentially in most metrics as well. As discussed on our last call on April 30th, we completed a private placement with U.S. institutional investors of NVCC-compliant fixed-to-floating-rate subordinate notes payable in the principal amount of U.S. dollar's 75 million. This tax-deductible, non-dilutive regulatory growth capital with favorable terms allowing us to take advantage of both the extremely low interest rates as well as our favorable debt and issuer rating of A- and A respectively, assigned by a U.S. rating agency, Egan Jones. As the note offering was completed on the last day of the previous quarter, it did somewhat temporarily dampen certain performance metrics for the quarter. 
as we were paying interest on those notes ahead of putting the capital to work and interest generating loans. Q3 and the ensuing months were highlighted by a number of significant operational achievements that will contribute to the continued growth of the bank going forward. Most notably, we took a major step forward with our VCAD digital deposit receipts, initiating closed ecosystem testing. We relaunched our Indigenous and Remote Community Lending Program, and our cybersecurity subsidiary, DRT Cyber, entered into two reseller agreements as we continue to build our solution offering. I will discuss each of these more in a few moments. Total revenue increased 27% year over year to 15.7 million. Net income increased 24% year over year to 5.4 million. Cost of funds decreased 18 basis points or 11% year over year to 1.41%. Net interest margin increased eight basis points or 3% year over year to 2.61%. And I will note here that adjusting for the impact of the note issuance, net interest margin would have been 2.94%, which is in line with our recent historical net interest margins. We are especially proud to have achieved this performance amidst the short-term dampening effect of our decision to raise regulatory capital at the end of the second quarter to support the significant opportunities to drive the continued growth of our loan portfolio. As that capital is deployed into interest-generating loans over the coming quarters, we expect net interest margin to return to historical levels and drive continued growth and profitability based on our larger loan portfolio. As a reminder, as tier two regulatory capital, we can deploy that US dollar 75 million more than tenfold. That is, it represents nearly a billion in future loan value. To provide some perspective on the quarterly impact, our average cash balance during the quarter was approximately 13% of total assets compared with our historical range of six to 7%. This was still slightly elevated due to our very cautious stance at the start of the pandemic, although significantly less so than the prior quarter, as we have continued to deploy that cash into new loans. The greater impact to gain was the US dollar 75 million subordinate note offering on the last day of Q2. Turning to the balance sheet, you can see the continued growth in our total assets which reached just shy of 2.3 billion at the end of the quarter, up 18% from the end of Q3 last year and 7% from the end of the second quarter. Our cash balance, including liquid securities at the end of Q3 was 297 million, which was down significantly from 354 million at the end of Q3 last year, when we were still maintaining high cash balances out of an abundance of caution in the early months of the pandemic. It is, however, up from 272 million at the end of Q2 of the year, as our continued deployment of cash was more than offset by the net US dollar 73 million 
of the additional cash from the net proceeds of the subordinate note offering less the preferred share redemption. Adjusting for the note offering, our cash balance would have been approximately 254 million Canadian dollars, which includes the impact of the redemption of the Series 3 preferred shares on April 30th. Finally, on the balance sheet book, the value per share increased 7% year over year and 2% sequentially to $11.29. Our CET1 capital ratio has continued to decline and was 11.94% for Q3, down from 12.52% for Q2 and 11.11% for Q3 last year. This is the result of leveraging our CET1 capital to grow our loan portfolio and drive return on equity. Our leverage ratio also declined 200 basis points year-over-year to 9.99%, again due to funding our loan portfolio. Both CET1 ratio and our leverage ratio are still well above our target ratios. The credit quality of our loan portfolio remains strong, with no impaired loans, no loans in arrears. Provisions for credit losses in, for Q3 increased to $96,000, mainly due to the larger loan portfolio. As a result, the bank's PCL ratio for Q3 increased to 0.02% from a negative 0.07% in Q2 when we recorded a recovery of PCL. I note that for the last 12 quarters, we have averaged a PCL ratio of zero. Amidst the continuing evolution of the pandemic, as well as some elevated geopolitical concerns, we continue to operate at a heightened level of diligence to ensure that our origination and underwriting practices remain highly disciplined and focused. Q3 was another excellent quarter on the deposit side of our business, and in fact would have been another record low for cost of funds absent the impacts of the note offering. Including the note offering, our cost of funds was 1.41%, down 18 basis points compared to Q3 of last year. When excluding the note offering, cost of funds was actually down three basis points from Q2 to 1.25%. The decreasing cost of funding was again driven by the continued expansion of our insolvency professional deposits on which we currently pay 0% interest. Those increased to 598 million as of the end of Q3, up 7% from the end of Q2, as we continue to onboard deposits from new partners added over the, the last year. And I will again note this quarter that our business continues to grow in what is relatively flat market for the types of personal and small business bankruptcies for which our partners rely on us. Our success in continuing to lower our cost of funding is especially encouraging as we progress towards the commercial launch of our revolutionary digital deposit receipt, VCAT, a highly secure digital deposit based on the bank's proprietary VersaVault technology and represented one-for-one one by actual Canadian dollar deposits with our bank. As I mentioned earlier, 
we have initiated closed ecosystem testing of DCAT to validate the security, processes, procedures, and protocols. Essentially, we are conducting real-time transactions, minting, transferring, and burning DCADs based on real Canadian dollar deposits on the public Stellar blockchain and soon Algorand also. As I discussed in our last call, DCAT is a natural evolution of our secure digital deposit-taking business, which is how we have been raising deposits since we first started nearly 30 years ago. When commercially launched, we expect DCAD to be high demand based on its ability to be used as a digital currency, which also has the backing of an investment-grade rated Schedule One bank. It therefore represents a significant potential additional source of very low-cost deposits, providing the opportunity to diversify our funding sources and even further reduce already ultra-low cost of funds. Our total loan portfolio increased 7% sequentially to another record mark of $1.95 billion at the end of the third quarter. That's an increase of 18% for the 2021 year-to-date. The bulk of sequential growth was driven by real estate mortgages in the commercial lending portion of our business and point-of-sale loan and lease business which were each up 7% sequentially. And I'm very pleased to report that subsequent to the end of Q3, our loan portfolio surpassed the $2 billion mark. We continue to explore new lending opportunities that further leverage our digital platform. We are relaunching a lending business in which we had great success in the past. In our, in our earlier years, we operated a very active and successful lending business to Indigenous and remote communities. With the recent emergence of an encouraging environment, including the federal government's commitment to closing infrastructure gaps for Indigenous communities, we are thrilled to relaunch this program. And we do so with the addition of two outstanding Indigenous leaders, Roland Bailey, who was appointed Executive Director of our Indigenous Infrastructure Program, and Robert Falconuliet, who was appointed Executive Director, Indigenous Housing Initiatives. We are excited to contribute to the growth and prosperity of these communities, which are so vital to our nation. We are especially thrilled to begin offering home financing solutions based on our new instant mortgage software application, which will focus on meeting the specific needs of Indigenous Canadians in both urban centres and northern communities. As our core digital banking operations continue to grow in both scale and profitability, in parallel, we are making steady progress in advancing the strategy of our cybersecurity subsidiary, DRT Cyber, to offer a comprehensive suite of solutions to government and businesses based on four pillars, assessment, detection, protection, and privacy. On the privacy side, in Q2, we launched Raven the first and only fully automated integrated solution that provides complete compliance with all major global anti-spam legislation. And yesterday, we announced a reseller agreement with UK-based Serenus, under which DRT will sell under subscription-based flagship product, Cassie. Cassie is a world 
leading consent and preference management solution, providing a central single source of truth for all data subjects across a myriad of systems found in multinational corporations. It helps clients comply with increasingly stringent and complex global privacy laws while also managing consented data to ensure their clients can confidently and legally use the data in marketing activities. Importantly, CASI integrates seamlessly with our Raven solution and we see a lot of potential for revenue synergies here. On the assessment side and detection side, during Q3, we entered into a reseller and development agreement with Isotech, under which DRT added the world's first AI-powered autonomous cybersecurity penetration testing platform to its offering. The addition of Isotech's complementary solution to digital boundary groups leading on-demand manual penetration testing solution significantly strengthens DRT's value proposition as with each passing week, the identification of cybersecurity vulnerabilities moves to the top of the priority list for more and more IT departments globally. As part of the agreement, DRT will also leverage Isotech's AI technology to develop and launch what it expects will be the world's first AI-powered automated continuous cybersecurity posture reporting platform for organizations of all types and sizes, further building on DBG's solid foundation. With the addition of two resellers' agreements for best-in-class products, DRT Cyber is building momentum, providing additional upside beyond the strength of our core digital banking operations. Importantly, we are executing on our growth plan and that will drive value over the longer term. All in all, Q3 was another strong quarter for VersaBank, setting us up for a strong finish for 2021. Our core digital banking model addresses unmet needs through innovative solutions based on our proprietary software platform through a highly efficient partner-based model. It continues to deliver strong performance with significant new near-term opportunities on the deposit and lending sides of our business that are expected to support continued growth. At the same time, our cybersecurity subsidiary DRT Cyber is executing on plan to capitalize on the massive opportunity as a leader in this rapidly growing sector. And with that, we'd like to open the call to questions. Colin? Thank you, David. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, your first question comes from uh, Greg McDonald from Load Rock. Greg, please go ahead. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Thank you. Good morning, David. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Greg. Beautiful day here in London town. Great. Um, listen, I've got two questions, one broad, one a little more specific. The, the first is um, just overall um, outlook for loan growth with the resurgence in the Delta variant. I mean, it's tough to tell, I know, um, given the fact that we're coming out of summer, but um, we've seen some renewed caution on the part of some people that they're concerned about what the Delta could mean for, for economic disruptions in the fall. Um, is there anything coming out of the summer in terms of loan growth volumes that you might point to to say that things have changed a little bit? Um, or is it just with the, um, with the credit loss provision that's almost entirely or entirely based on the growth in your loan book? Anything to give us a sense of what the outlook for loan growth is going to be in the fall and whether anything's changed in the last quarter? Well, um, you're right. The, um, the PCL provision was just uh, driven out of the increased uh, size of the loan book, and it's, it's driven by, uh, by models. Um, we're, we're on a um, trajectory of about 7% per quarter in loan growth in both, uh, both the real estate and the, and the point of sale. Uh, don't see any, uh, anything to impede that, uh, mind you. Um, that, that we're, we're taking into consideration the uh, possible impact of the Delta variant. Um, it might be another variant, though, <laughs> that, that could slow things down. But right now, we're, uh, we're pretty comfortable with the trajectory that we're on, um, looking for uh, a strong, uh, strong year-end finish and um, into t- uh, 2022. Um, it looks even better in that we've been signing up some new partners in the point of sale uh, program uh, that um, are, uh, are sending more business our way. Uh, so uh, continuation of the, of the growth that, that you've, you've, you've seen uh, with perhaps even an acceleration in uh, 2022 with, uh, with the new partners. Okay, and, and <clears throat> extending those questions to the U.S. market, um, any more insight there? Yes, we're we're working on some U.S. Um, uh, dollar receivables presently. Um, taking a little longer than I would have liked. Chad is, uh, of course, um, U- U.S. Uh, uh, laws, uh, security laws to um, uh, to take into consideration. Uh, but we're uh, we're excited about the opportunity in the United States. Uh, it's a huge market, and it appears that our our particular method of financing receivables. Um, uh, is, is without peers, uh, so we, we may be able to bring a, a real valuable new uh, new program for uh, U.S. point of sale finance companies. So, so I'd look in the fourth quarter for us to have uh, done our first deal. Okay, great. And then the second, <clears throat> a little bit more specific, on I'm curious about the relaunch of the indigenous and remote community lending business. Um, and I know we've all we've all got an idea that from the political environment, more money is going to be spent 
sometimes there's a delay between political announcements and you know when you actually see execution. Can you talk a little bit about you know provide more details on on what you're seeing there specifically re with respect to timing and any outlook on size to what it might mean? It, but it is a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah, in the past it was a wonderful business for us. We we provided financing for schools, hospitals, pipelines, uh, hydro lines, uh, all, all kinds of facilities. In fact, um, some of the um, major northern uh, communities we we held 100% uh, of their debt. City Yellowknife, for example, at one time we were we provided the entire financing for that for that city. Um, we um, think there's a, a huge gap in the in infrastructure uh, requirements and um, we with our uh, our interim construction financing expertise um, are sort of ideally suited to provide the interim construction loans to, uh, to put these facilities in place um, generally speaking we we uh, don't do the takeout um, so uh, I, I think there's a big demand and uh, we had success in working with the governments with respect to uh, uh, supporting the projects. Um, but as you say, things do uh, move a little slowly in the government world, a lot slower than they do in, a, in our world. Uh, but there's a huge demand, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's right in the uh, sweet spot of our construction lending team. Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of good contacts in that area, and um, I hope we can we can make some headway soon because obviously the people in those those communities desperately need uh, the facilities that we used to that we used to finance. Uh, so should so, we be should we be thinking sometime in the next year, or is it beyond a year that we're looking at? Oh no, no I would say in the next year for sure. In, in twenty, I'd be very disappointed if we don't have a lot of projects going in twenty twenty two. The the the, the um, service that we provide is we, we um, meet with the community leaders and determine what, what they really need, and we put together a syndicate of people that uh, can, can construct the project, uh, can, and we do the financing, and um, put it all, all together. So we help out with, with the, the, the part that might uh, elude people uh, in that uh, there's a lot of moving parts to to build something in the Canadian Arctic, um, but we're very successful with that in the past. And our our, our real estate financing team is, uh, you know, from their perspective, they can finance a high rise, a hospital, uh, they can finance a school uh, just as easily. Um, and of course, like I said, there's a huge demand for that. Uh, and it seems it, it seems given the appointments that you've made that. You think housing is a disproportionate opportunity this time around? Is that safe to say, or am I misreading that? Yeah, housing housing is a huge opportunity. Um, uh, in that, um, a lot of our Indigenous Canadians are, are living on reserves, where it's difficult. Well, it's not, it's a difficult. It's impossible to get um, individual uh, traditional mortgage financing. Um, but our instant mortgage app seems. Uh, Ideally suited to, to sort of bridge that uh, that impediment, um, so we're we're excited about doing that. And in the in the major centres in Canada, um, uh, so, sort of due to um, 
the uh, strict uh, normal lending requirements that uh, banks have. It uh, inadvertently uh, sort of precluded uh, a lot of a lot of people from being able to get them from financing for their home. Um, they may be seasonal workers. Uh, they they've moved, uh, but for some reason uh, they don't fit the traditional. Uh, mortgage requirements, but our instant mortgage app has flexibility to be able to provide uh, financing uh, for a home, which uh, quite often is is much cheaper than the rent they they have been paying uh, presently. So uh, it's a win-win. Um, you know, we end up with uh, good quality uh, financing for homes. We get people in in houses that they own, and um, and it's the monthly payment is probably a lot less than they than they have been have been paying uh, for rent. Okay, thanks very much. Those are my two. I might hop back on, but I'll pass it on to others. Thanks, David. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one, and please ensure that you're not on speakerphone, uh, otherwise the star one function may not work. Uh, your next question comes from Uh, Ervor uh, Reynolds from Acumen Capital, please go ahead. Morning, Dave. Good morning. Hey, um, just wondering when you expect to get back to traditional cash levels um, in the lending portfolio? Uh, it would be uh, early in uh, in 2022. We um, There's two factors, of course, that I mentioned in the presentation. Um, one is just the uh, the 75 million U.S. dollars that um, with proceeds of the support and debt offering in Canadian dollars. That's about 93 million that, that uh, went in as cash. Uh, so um, that that bumped the the, the cash uh, balances. And secondly, in, in uh, kind of recent times, uh, we. Um, we came a bit, not a bit, but some, somewhat concerned about geopolitical risk. And um, so we kept our cash balances uh, a little higher than we would have uh, otherwise. So those two, fact, those two factors, hopefully, um, in, the, in 2022 will, uh, will not be present. Uh, we'll, we'll start utilizing the, uh, the U.S. dollars that we took in on the note uh, on the U.S. receivables. Um, and... Uh, and hopefully the geopolitical risk will diminish somewhat, although, yeah, you know, who knows? Um, but that, that for, from a, a banker's perspective, uh, you know, potentially could, could um, affect uh, liquidity for banks. So I, I uh, always tend to, uh, to err on the sides of caution and, and hold a little extra cash. Fair. Yeah, no, I, I understand the, the note offering obviously been increasing there. Um, and then just on, can you speak to, well, actually, let's first on the insolvency side of things. Um, can you uh, touch on where that business sits? I know there's still some restrictions uh, with, uh, with government uh, subsidies being provided. Just maybe touch on where that business sits. Well, um Absolutely, uh, the um, the support that our government's been providing uh, to uh, to uh, people and uh, small businesses uh, 
has has reduced insolvency to uh, almost a record low in Canada. Um, so theoretically, you would think that uh, our insolvency uh, balances uh, wouldn't be growing, uh, but in, indeed they are, uh, and that's because um, the uh, partners that we deal with are continuing to um, send deposits our way from uh, from other banks. Uh, so even though we're uh, sort of an all-time low for insolvencies in Canada, uh, we're still growing 7% quarter by quarter pretty rapidly uh, as uh, our existing partners continue to uh, move deposits from other banks over, over to us. Uh, so um, hate to say it, but in 2022, when uh, the support payments probably come to an end, um, there'll probably be um, a resurgence of insolvencies, and then I'd expect the balances to grow even, uh, even more rapidly, which... Um, it's good from a banking perspective in that, that this is these are zero cost deposits uh, which help our net interest margin and uh, diversify our funding sources but uh, you know I feel for the I feel for the people in the uh, small businesses that um, that uh, will be struggling to uh, to make ends meet got it thank you and uh, in the um, the with the reseller agreements that you announced uh, yesterday and, uh, and previously just maybe can you speak to the order of magnitude of, of what uh, what you expect these to provide for, for the cyber division it's pretty hard to put a number on it they're they're uh, just new agreements and um, you know we think the market is is huge it's a worldwide market and um, and we think the nefarious people uh, who who attack corporations uh, aren't going away, uh, but, uh, and we think we we brought in state-of-the-art products. Uh, so it, it's hard to put a number. It could be a huge numbers of uh, of revenues from these these two sources. But um, it's sort of early days. Um, That's fair. Um, is there is there opportunities for for more of these reseller agreements? Um, right now we uh, we we don't see any. Uh, we have, we're not engaged with anybody uh, uh, and bringing anybody else on board. We're getting pretty close to a full suite of cybersecurity products. Um, so uh, now it's. Yeah, now we you know we've got to market the, these products and uh, get our our share of the market. Um, uh, like I said, I think we have the state of the art. Uh, DBG does a fantastic job of um, serving the, their clients. They have about 350 or so of the who's who in North America that they provide uh, 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 probably the best uh, penetration testing of any any firm in, in the world. Um, and these other add-ons, these complementary add-ons, uh, should should uh, round out the product offering um, uh, for uh, for other corporations. Um, particularly the Raven that we created in-house, Raven anti-spam software. We use it in our bank, and and what that does is is prevents us from inadvertently sending an email out to somebody who has requested to go on the unsubscribe list. 
And as you know, there's some significant fines for uh, corporations uh, or governments that, uh, that make a mistake on that front. Uh, so Raven, uh, I think, is a um, everybody. Everybody should have Raven protecting them from doing that. Eventually, yeah, you know, corporations or governments make mistakes, and um, and the uh, fines are substantial. Got it. And then uh, last one, just on the uh, the VCADs and the testing, and uh, and where kind of the where you sit in terms of a uh, public rollout on this uh, product. Well, um, VCAD, as I say in the presentation, is now live on the Stellar blockchain and probably soon to be on Algorand blockchain. Um, I have VCAD in my e-wallet right now, 50,000 VCADs. And uh, maybe after this call, I'll buy a bicycle from uh, Sean, our CFO, uh, uh, maybe a It'd be an expensive bicycle, and I'll trade. I'll trade some VCAD to his wallet, and we'll trade it back. Um, so it, it actually is. It actually is fully functional. Um, we're keeping it within our walled garden staff members' uh, e-wallets, uh, and we'll be uh, We'll be uh, burning it, i.e., withdrawing VCAD. We'll be issuing more VCAD, i.e., minting it, uh, and uh, doing all the internal uh, tests and writing up the policies and procedures. Uh, we've asked a third party to review the, 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 the software to provide a first phase of an audit on it. Um, uh, so all in, uh, it's, it's possible within the next 30 days the VCAD could go live uh, to uh, the, the general public. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Oh, no problem. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. And as a reminder, questions are restricted to analysts and in institutional investors. Your next question comes from Brad Ness from Coral Capital. Brad, please go ahead. Hello, thank you. Um, regarding VCAD, can you just discuss the distribution that you expect and how that process is going also? Well, initially, Brad, it, uh, it's going to go through our partner, um, StableCorp, and um, StableCorp has in mind uh, swapping their QCATs into our VCATs uh, when, we're, when we're live with the public. Uh, it'll go through StableCorp's um, partner uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, and that, then out, out through the uh, cryptocurrency ecosystem. Uh, there are other um, uh, cryptocurrency exchanges that we're, we're talking to to uh, support the VCAT also. Um, I, the market strategy, described it like this, uh, we, we know there's about 80 billion or so in, in inferior stable coins now, um, inferior in that uh, they're not issued by a investment-grade bank and they don't represent uh, deposits in that bank. They're thought to be um, secured with deposits and perhaps other banks or assets somewhere. Uh, uh, and this is in fact, uh, represents a, a real deposit with a real bank uh, and that is uh, highly regulated being a schedule one bank and investment grade. So we think it's a superior stable coin. And uh, we think some of that 80 billion uh, will flow our way. Uh, I don't know why it wouldn't if, uh, if you're 
keen on a stable coin uh, and you're willing to accept the risk that it's backed up by, by an asset somewhere else, perhaps out of the country, not a regulated entity, surely, uh, surely you'll, uh, you'll want uh, a stable coin uh, that, um, that a bank like, like we, we are is issuing. Sure. It, so it, would you say these crypto exchanges are maybe eager to have a new stable coin like you on their platform, or is it there been a little bit you know, of a pushback? No pushback. Yeah, eager is probably the word. Um, it's, it's just, as, you know, the corny, the corny thing they say, you build it and it'll come. Uh, it, it, it's from, you know, I'm, of course, biased, but uh, I mean, it's a huge jump forward in the stablecoin type uh, product. If, if you really do want a stablecoin to transact business, uh, I, I mean, what's better than a, a banknote? This is a modern day banknote, like banks used to issue many years ago in paper format. Uh, it's uh, from a merchant's perspective, if you want your Canadian dollars back or US dollars or Euro or, or uh, sterling, you can just uh, present it uh, for a withdrawal, we call it burning, and, uh, and you got your money back. Um, we, th we hope they don't. We hope they see it as, uh, as a currency uh, uh, that, that they can keep in their e-wallets. And, um, and if interest rates uh, climb somewhat in the world, uh, we'll push a little interest uh, to uh, buy their patients. And who can do that other than a bank? Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a huge leap uh, uh, ahead of the, ahead of what uh, the markets had to had to uh, deal with um, up until we come up with this one. Sure. And remind me, is this something you can collect a burning and minting fee from? Well, it's possible, but we, we don't really have that in mind. Um, we're, we're treating it as, as we do all our deposits. Uh, you know, we're, from our perspective, it's, it's, a, it's an economical diversified funding source uh, that we can use to fund our, our loans, or mainly our point-of-sale finance loans. Uh, so so um, we're not looking at it as a fee generator. Um, even the even the fees that are associated with trading on Algorand and uh, Stellar are just fractions of one cent, as opposed to say what's on Ethereum. Uh, so even that's a huge advantage. And the transaction time is nanoseconds. So I've, you know, I've, I've moved moved uh, VCADs around in, in in split seconds with uh, tiny fractions of uh, of cost. Uh, but that's another advantage I think that uh, people will appreciate is the uh, the speed of the transaction and the and the uh, almost frictionless um, with respect to fees. Right, gotcha. Okay, last uh, last question here um, on DBG. Um, two two questions. One, can you just remind me of kind of the stability of this revenue flow? Are these you know 350 clients on you know longer term contracts, or you know are these just more transactional? Um, is kind of the first question. And two, could you size this opportunity? You know, now it's 8% of revenue. You know, could this income from this source be, you know, 20% of revenue, you know, a few years from now? Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, the 350 from uh, DBG's um, clients are um, repeat customers, but they're not on a contract basis for the most part. Uh, so they're, 
they're uh, invited to do the penetration testing uh, regularly, uh, particularly more often uh, when uh, when some terrible breach takes place. Uh, so the 350 are, are regular uh, clients, customers uh, that DBG has been dealing with um, some cases 20 years, um, but it's not a uh, it's not on a uh, uh, sort of a contract basis. The other new products we brought out are contract basis, so um, and that's what we're trying to do is diversify into um, steady cash flow from providing ongoing uh, cyber surveillance uh, for firms. Uh, so uh, if you think of it this way, we're trying to provide um, uh, smoke detectors. Uh, so if somebody's even tapping at the door or exploring uh, breaking in, uh, the fire alarms go off and uh, the IT people get a heads up that there's a probe, whereas DBG is providing uh, sort of on-site on, on occasions uh, penetration testing to um, uh, illuminate uh, uh, flaws uh, uh, that uh, the firm might have. And uh, as, you, as you can imagine, uh, concerning the, the nefarious people are, are, are quite innovative. <laughs> They're, they're always trying to find a new way in. Uh, so there's, there's never any shorter business for DBG, who is, uh, is, is up uh, wearing the white hats on the other side, is just as innovative finding ways to, uh, to thwart the attempts of those, those getting in. So um, it could easily be 20% uh, or, or much more. Uh, it's a huge market. And, um, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like any end in sight for the bad actors uh, who are creating this market. Great, thank you. I'll open it up for other questions. There are no further questions. There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn it back to Mr. Taylor for closing remarks. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today, and I look forward to uh, entertaining your questions uh, at, the, at the next one of these at the year end. And in, 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 in the meantime, if, if something comes up, uh, just an email away. Uh, happy to uh, happy to talk to you on the uh, on the phone or uh, or uh, correspond uh, by email. So thank you. And over and out. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.